Welcome back to Eldritch Girl and we're finishing off chapter 10 and starting chapter 11 of 13th today. Um, in terms of content warnings, it's more of the same. Um, Wes uh, is high, so you've got that kind of drug trip POV. Um, you have more family drama, you have um, a bit more Machiavellian nonsense. Um, you have, um, I mean, not very good Machiavellian nonsense because it's mostly like drug addled. So he thinks he's being clever, but like, <laughs> um, and you have more uh, eldritch body horror and family arguments. So that's about it, really. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, and a small cliffhanger to end on. <laughs> um, but we're getting close to the end. Like we've got a few more episodes to go. Um, there are 13 chapters, so yeah the last three chapters the last third of the book um yeah so um we're getting into the weird soft sci-fi stuff i guess now with like other dimensions and things so hopefully that's going to be fun um and you'll enjoy it so small announcement as well um so the hardback version of the crows the anniversary edition is now out it's available via amazon to buy it's 23.99 if you're uh, in british pounds and roughly the equivalent in other currencies. There will be limited edition book boxes coming from my Kofi, but I can only get author copies shipped to me from Germany. Um, so I'm having to ship them via someone else because they won't ship direct to me. So I have um, some delivery solutions um, for you so that I can get those books to uh, my Kofi shop and you can have them signed. And there are some lovely scented candles to go with them and some merch in the book boxes as well. The candles are by Avalon Alchemy, which is a company run by Gemma Cartmel and her mum and is based in Glastonbury. Uh, Gemma Cartmel does the tune, the theme tune for The Crows, obviously, and for 13th and has already done the theme tune for The Day We Ate Grandad, which I haven't even written yet. So, <laughs> But that will be serialised as well when it does come out in 2022 uh, this year. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, look out for those on my Kofi. That's ko-fi.com forward slash cmrosens. And you should be able to pick up some hardbacks from there um, when they're released. I should note that if you're a monthly subscriber at any tier to my Kofi, um, you already have access to the exclusive short story that's in the back of the hardback edition. So the hardback edition has um, a longer short story called Gerald at the back, and that's a flashback to when Ricky is 10 years old, and it's about how Gerald got his name. Then you have a town map, which is by Dewey Hargreaves, and you also have a new cover by Rebecca Kenny. You have the original text and you also have the original five illustrations by Thomas Brown. Good luck. <laughs> and here we go. Chapter 10, Part 2 Wes sat in the passenger seat of his car again, toying with the idea of just going the fuck back to London and telling Katie he was sorry over the phone. That went well, he told Charlie and Hugo's picture on his phone background. They were beaming at him from the patio of that villa in Thailand last year, Charlie in Hugo's lap with her arms around his neck, and three seconds after that photo had been taken, he'd picked her up like she weighed nothing and carried her off shrieking into the sea. Wes had never wanted that holiday to end, but he never wanted any of the good times to end, ever. And they always did. Sooner or later, they went back to work and he went back to, 
existing. I could get a job, he suggested as his partner smiled at him. No, I couldn't. I don't want to, anyway, and you know what I'm like. I was always crap at the basics, like showing up. Same with school, really. He missed them so much his chest ached. He sent Charlie a video telling her he loved her and sent Hugo a dick pic that remained unseen. He zipped his fly up, disgruntled at the lack of an immediate reaction, and sent the same one to a few of his other contacts just for a bit of validation. Someone whose surname he couldn't recall sent a heart-eyes emoji back, and he felt that was enough to buoy his ego for another half an hour, despite another reply telling him to fuck off. He put his phone away and considered his options. There were a few pills left in the packet. It might be worth testing them out just once more now he got the hang of it. Then he wouldn't need Ricky at all. Nobody would. Getting rid of him, though, that would be tricky, and he wasn't sure that's what he really wanted. There was a lot of history there. They didn't always needle each other, and besides, something Wes hated admitting was now an undeniable fact. Ricky was genuinely fucking scary. The change in the kitchen, the way his coils bulged under the muscle, that genuinely rattled him. He'd seen what his cousin had become, and anything that could kill Gran and scare Uncle Marcus wasn't something Wes wanted to be in the same room with twice. Maybe he'd made a big mistake. One way to find out, he told the packet, rolling the glittering pills between his fingers inside the plastic. This time, the first thought that greeted him outside his head was like a barrier, crackling darkly and stopping him from moving past it. Wes tried to push it out of the way, but it was hard and solid like a TV screen. He rapped on it with his knuckles and a picture flared into life. I don't believe in the future, 17-year-old Wes scoffed at his cousin, shirtless and lying in the grass in Barrow Field. They usually went up there to drink and smoke weed, but it was magic mushrooms this time. You don't believe in anything? Ricky was lying on his back waiting for the mushrooms to kick in with the ecstasy. He had smacked Wes's hand away from his fly twice so far, and Wes wanted to try his luck a third time. Not this again. Leave him alone. Adult Wes watched his teenage self with growing unease, annoying guilt eating at him. When teenage Wes was shoved off again and started bitching about how the far sight was fucking with Ricky's brain, adult Wes was mightily relieved. God, he'd been an arsehole at that age. The future isn't fixed until you look at it, teenage Wes was arguing, pissed off by his cousin's rejection. Why would you want to look at your own anyway? Oh, it was this argument. Ricky had killed some girl from Wes's school the year before just to read his own future. Wes was about to find this out. There was going to be a full-on fight about it, but by then Ricky would be high as fuck and they'd kissed and made up or some shit. Wes didn't want to see all that again. Fuck this, Wes said to the thought barrier, and smashed through it head first. The ground gave way and he pitched forwards through galaxies of bursting stars, landing face first on black sand. Ricky was holding open a portal. Adult Ricky, as he looked now, skin shredding off his monstrous eel-skin coils that swelled beneath his organs. Wes saw himself, standing behind him. How did Ricky get into the volcanic landscape he'd seen before? He didn't like it here. He was exposed, alone. A stone circle called to him some way off, but he wasn't sure how far. Now there were monoliths dancing in rounds, shedding symbols into the air like sequins. As he tried to focus on something else, orbs of memory popped up, the bad kind, fizzing and pulsing, bouncing towards him across the obsidian desert like that ball thing in The Prisoner. Wasn't that filmed in Wales somewhere? 
This didn't look like Wales. It looked like somewhere you went to die. Wes knew with horrible certainty that if he got stuck there, he'd die there. He knew it because he remembered it. Did that mean he was going to die, or just that he was going to be shit-scared? Fuck. Memories crowded him, bouncing against the dark sand. One of them stood out among the rest, looming closer. Charlie, on her knees with a utility knife in her hand, slicing off her own eyelids so she could stare hopelessly at the collage of his photographs until she starved to death. She'd wet herself rather than leave the room, rather than leave the pictures of him. "'No, no, baby, no,' Wes whimpered, reaching for her, but he never wanted to touch that memory again. "'I thought if I left you'd get better.' The memory replayed from when he walked in the door. He spun around looking for other memories, but there was only that one, replaying like a gif wherever he looked. "'No, no,' he closed his eyes, but it played on the back of his eyelids and he couldn't switch it off. Regret oozed out of his joints, slowing him down as he tried to run, and just as he collapsed in a heap of broken, numbed parts, everything twisted into a different shape, and he was still strapped into the passenger seat of his car, his brain inside out, thoughts sucked back inside. It took him a good ten minutes and another bottle of mineral water before he dared unbuckle the seat belt. Fuck, I've got to stop taking these. There was too much darkness in him, too much he never wanted to remember, either backwards or forwards. Wes shuddered. Regardless of what happened tonight, he promised himself, he would abide by the house rules and go back to London tomorrow. He needed a change of clothes anyway. He stayed in the car with a radio on, listening to Classic FM to calm himself down, until he felt stable enough to head back inside. Katie came down for dinner, and Wes let her go first. He wondered if leaving her alone had been the right thing to do, or if she would have appreciated him being there with her. Too late now. Hey, you all right? She nodded, not looking directly at him, but moved her wrists in the way she'd done as a little girl wanting a cuddle. He hadn't seen her do that in a long time. Wes swept her into a tight hug. Katie clung to him tighter than he expected, not letting go when he tried to pull away. Oh, okay. All right. Hey... Are you okay? She squeezed him and let him go. Yeah. Promise? She nodded. Promise? He stroked her hair back from her temples, cupping her chin. Okay, then. She brushed him off. Are you okay? There was a suspicious, pointed note in her voice. You look like shit. That's all right. Blink, you'll forget all about it. Katie shook her head. That's not... A vague expression crossed her face as she forgot what he looked like halfway through her sentence, and it died on her tongue. Wes chucked her under her chin, sadness squeezing his chest like one of her hugs. Right, where's the god? Katie shrugged. Somewhere. Pretty sure he knows there's dinner in, like, two minutes. Wes wandered into the kitchen, nodded at Carrie, who was setting the table, and took a seat. Alive and kicking, then? Katie winced. Ricky, on cue, swaggered out from the utility room, swinging the door shut behind him. Watch a cuz. All right. Wes took him in. All trace of the brain death was gone, and he didn't seem quite so gaunt. You're looking much prettier. Ricky smirked. Ta. He gave Carrie a pat on her back as he passed and took a seat at the table. Something smells nice. You're going to change again, aren't you? She went to the oven. You're getting the lion's share. Ricky winced. Fair enough. Make him eat it, 
Carrie dropped the baking hot ceramic pot on the table without using oven gloves, a fact that Wes filed away for future reference. He needs it. Wes filed this away, too. Changes take it out of you, do they? Ricky didn't answer. He helped himself first, taking about two-thirds of the casserole and leaving the rest for them. Wes watched dinner disappearing onto his cousin's plate, and Carrie brought out warm, crusty rolls. Ricky refused them. Don't eat bread, he said with his mouth full. You know that. They're not for you, Carrie clicked her tongue. We've got guests. They ain't guests, they're family. Wes smirked. Speaking of which, how's your mum and dad? Piss off. Ricky scraped his chair back, tendrils disgorging out of reflex. You're so rude, Katie muttered, not quite as shrunken in on herself as she usually was during family rows. Wes wondered if that was a good sign. Wes shrugged. Trails of silver floated across his vision, as if he remembered this from before, as if this had all already happened and he knew what was coming next. The images didn't come to mind, not exactly, but he had a feeling how it was all going to end, and somewhere up ahead was a pulsing red cocoon, and Ricky lost in a landscape that wasn't the world they knew. Wes's lip curled. Just asking after his old man, that's all? Yeah? Ricky talked around a mouthful of casserole. How's yours? Still killing little girls for no reason? All right, our dad's as much of an embarrassment as yours is, Wes allowed. But at least he raised us lot in a decent house, not some shack in the woods without running water. Uncle George had all the same opportunities as our dad did, and he still chose to live like a fucking caveman. Where's this coming from? Katie demanded. But Wes had no clue. Uncle George barely bothers to hide what he does. Ricky swallowed. Why shouldn't he? Why should he hide what we are? We're top of the bloody food chain. Wes stabbed a carrot with his fork. Are you listening to yourself? Top of the food chain? What sort of fascist bollocks is that? It's a fact. Ricky sat back in his chair, glowering. We could be running the whole bleeding world and you're upset about Dad knocking off a few tourists. Wes scoffed. Who wants to rule the world? You know what that sounds like to me? Hard work? Admin. Ricky laughed in his face. I'm talking about destruction, death, bloody power, real power, this. He let his glory ripple and bulge, tearing the skin and splitting the stretch marks along his ribs. The fabric of his hoodie strained as it fought to be free. Carrie smacked Ricky on the shoulder. Oi, cut it out, calm down. Ricky rolled his eyes. Wes held his breath, but everything seemed to settle. Just saying. He's leaving tomorrow, let's just have dinner. Carrie shot Wes a warning look. Wes nodded, unnerved by the speed at which his cousin could change. He ignored their host, silver sparks crackling in his head. Go on, then. He jerked his chin at the back door, voice trembling. Point made. Off you go. Go rule the world. I'd rather be left alone. Anyway, you'd have to be mad to want to rule the bloody world. What the fuck would you do with it? Ricky visibly forced himself to relax, and Wes cursed himself in his mouth. What was wrong with him? Where do we start there, Wes, eh? Something silvery tugged at his mind and he found himself talking without registering his own words. I don't disagree with you. Maybe the three of us are the only sane ones in the whole family, the only ones who see that clear, do you know what I mean? Is this a coincidence, the three of us ending up together like this, or what? Ricky paused, staring at him. Are you high? Wes's lips twisted into something bitter, silver scudding away and leaving him woozy. Is that judgment, I hear, Richard? Just not my idea of fun. Wes seethed, nettled by the piety. 
Oh, fuck off, you sanctimonious little shit. It didn't help that Ricky had taught him the word sanctimonious. He sneered. You want fun? Let's not forget who it was that actually got you off, shall we? There was a chilled, pregnant silence, a taut sheet of it that shrouded the kitchen and wrapped around his heart. Ricky's face was burning. Wes groaned, hating himself. Fuck. I'm... I'm so sorry. That was... It just slipped out. I didn't... I didn't mean... I can open the portal well enough without you, Ricky said finally, his voice tight. I don't need you here for that. I know you don't. Ricky's eyes snapped up to meet his, fever bright. He stood up and moved towards the fireplace behind Katie, who drew in her chair and shot Wes a worried glower. Hell's bells and buckets of blood. Ricky shook his head, staring at him and rolling up his sleeves. You think I can't do this without you? That what you think? You want to get your feet under the table here, make the mistress keep you on as part of some bloody triad. Is that what you want? Want to see what I can do? Two spots of ugly crimson bruised over his angular cheeks. His accent broadened. I can control gateways to worlds you ain't even dreamed of. It's part of her, don't you understand that? She needs me to do it, don't you, old girl? She needs me. Wes glanced awkwardly at Carrie, who was staring at Ricky in bafflement, one hand pressed over her heart. Her eyes were drawn back to the pendle stone, the hearthstone and the heart of the house, and a chill wandered up his arms. He shivered, swallowing. I believe you. You don't believe in anything. That's not true. I believe in... Wes hesitated, frustrated that Ricky wouldn't remember how sincere he was being. I believe in the people I love, he mumbled at the table, which don't include you, fair enough, but I do believe in some things. Ricky was vibrating like a tuning fork, cherry-red dots blazing in his pupils, and when he slammed his foot on the hearthstone under the old range, Wes felt the shock reverberating through the stone tiles. There was ancient power in it, power that tugged at his skin, sucked at his forgettable face. He hadn't felt anything like that since... His throat went dry. Ricky was ready to rip the fabric of the world apart, and he was probably powerful enough to do it. He fought the rising panic in his chest, reasoning that he wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything like that, because he loved the house too much. He'd never hurt Carrie. It came to him then, in a bolt of obvious clarity. Somehow, Carrie was the house. He wondered how the hell he'd been so slow, and then how the hell that had happened. Never mind, now was decidedly not the time. Easy, mate, I... Ricky pared his full lips back in a sneer. You want to see? I'm a bloody god. I'm your bloody god. Jesus, calm the fuck down. Wes wanted to get between Ricky and Katie, who was cowering against the table and not knowing what to do with the power that was reverberating behind her. All right! All right, you're scaring her. Come on. Hey. Carrie's voice was soothing, the sound of a kettle on a rainy day. Ricky, he isn't thinking that. I know he's not. She's in his head too, Wes realised. Fuck, that can't be much fun. Rather you than me, love. You haven't got anything to prove to him, Carrie said, still in that calming tone. Look, you've made Katie cry. Ricky shot Katie a wild stare, an unhealthy pallor replacing the bruised blush. He swayed but kept his balance. Wes hadn't noticed Katie getting upset, and now he saw her fighting tears, his heart twisted up. Wes glanced at their stricken cousin, who didn't know what to say. Katie, love, I'm sorry, it was my fault. I pissed him off. I didn't mean to, mate. I'm... All right, I took something. Yeah. I'm a fuck-up, I'm sorry. 
He leaned back in his seat, hoping to make himself appear less threatening and diffuse things a bit. We're sorry. His bark's worse than his bite, right? They both knew that wasn't exactly true, but Ricky shrugged and nodded. I want... I wouldn't hurt you, love. I let you kill me, remember? Bet that felt good. Katie sniffed. You're a pair of bastards. She gave a watery smile, but it was brief. You know I could just kill both of you. True, Wes relaxed a little. But you did promise. Yeah. Katie rubbed her cheeks and swivelled on her seat to face Ricky, who had backed off. What's... No, you know what? Never mind. She chewed the inside of her cheek and looked away. Can we just get this over with, then? I just want... I don't know. I, I don't want you two at each other's fucking throats all the time. It's like being at home. She shot her brother a vicious glance that landed like a kick in the balls, and Wes swallowed. You want me to do it now? Ricky asked Katie, who was dashing the tears off her cheeks. Katie shrugged, miserable. Yeah, all right, I'll do it now. I don't want to see the throne again, Katie mumbled, voice thick. Not now, not... I don't want it. I don't want to be like this. I hate it. Nah, come on, once you figured the list out, it's up to you what you do. Ricky gave her a weak smile. Let's get it over with, like I promised. Wes waited, recalling snatches of silver-edged hallucinogenic memory. It was tugging him into a groove, his direction carved out, irresistible. He wondered if Ricky could feel it too. Can you come with me this time? Katie whispered, big brown eyes wide and anxious. No, Ricky mumbled, crouching down. It's the thirteenth place, not like where we go for our changes. He shrugged. Wes tensed, pushing out the probing house and focusing. Ricky didn't change, not properly, but his skin split along his forearms as something pushed and bulged underneath. Bits of him ruptured under the strain, and the hearthstone began to ripple as if it were made of water. Wes watched, fascinated. He really was going to do it by himself. It looked excruciating. Mate, stop it. Carrie hung back, but her face was twisted in pain, and Wes wondered if she could feel what Ricky did. He was using energy channelled literally through her, wasn't he? Did it hurt her as much as it hurt him? Ricky, I'm serious. Let him help you. Fuck, he's going to do it. He's actually going to tear himself apart. He needed Ricky alive, needed Katie to face whatever she had to. He couldn't let him do it alone. Not until she was done. Not until he was off the list. Wes lost his nerve and started muttering under his breath, trying to take some of it into himself, connecting with it as words wove themselves into anchors and sank into the pendle stone. Katie crept forward, reluctantly dragging her feet. He wasn't sure what to expect, but the swirl of vertigo when she connected with the rippling stone threw him off balance, even though he was sitting down. He grabbed the table, which, for a split second, felt soft and malleable, like putty rather than wood. His shoes sank through the tiles. In an effort to free himself, he fell off the chair. Then the world swung back, his feet were freed, and he banged to the floor, jarring his knee. He looked up. Ricky was half man, half coils, face splitting apart with nothing underneath it, a hollow thing of swirling darkness, shreds of himself hanging together by strings of skin. He'd seen this. He'd seen Ricky in the desolate landscape beyond the portal. He'd seen himself behind his cousin, exactly where he was now. He'd seen all this from the other side. Maybe the future was fixed. It had to happen the way he remembered it happening. How did Ricky go through the portal? The sparks of silver coating his mind seemed to tug him into a solution, but he couldn't act, not yet. 
Katie was still gone. Chapter 11 Anywhere But Here I fought as if I were fighting to live. She always said I turned animal, wild, and there was something in that. Mona Simpson, Anywhere But Here Outside The black desert stretched out around her, but this time, on the horizon to her left, she thought she could see a pale white doorway in the sky, a perfect rectangle of white light where the thick curtain of navy hit the obsidian. She couldn't see the throne this time. She wasn't even sure that this place was real. It felt like a limbo, a space between worlds, something tucked away and forgotten. Was that all the afterlife was? Did you die in your essence or soul or whatever it was? Did that get sucked into the gaps between atoms, get lost in the cracks, forever stuck in the corners of time? Hello? She wasn't expecting an answer. Hello. Something echoed behind her. Hello. 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 It wasn't the voice of the throne. I figured out the list, Katie said, not turning around. She could feel it, heavy and hulking behind her, solid, real, more real than she was. And you faced it, your fear? I figured it out. Did you face your fear? Katie itched to turn around, wanting to know what it was behind her. I tried. Something sighed against the back of her head. She flinched, grabbing at empty air and her own hair, and spun around. The black desert was empty except for the throne in the far distance, moving like a stalking predator, a great chair with many jointed limbs carrying it forwards over the sand. Oh no! Her bead burned. Katie wasted no time. She jumped back onto the pendle stone, a slab of rippling silicate, and tumbled back into the kitchen. She didn't know if Ricky had noticed she was back. His ragged face was screwed up in effort. His coils were tumbling out of the ruins of his flesh, but he was controlling it well, keeping himself balanced between the two forms, a monster of eyes and mouths and torn skin. "'Did you do what you had to do?' Wes asked, catching her by the elbow and thrusting her out of range of the pendle stone. She didn't know how to answer that. She tried positivity. "'Yeah?' she shrugged. "'I think, I mean... Facing my fear is what I'm meant to do, whatever that means, but... Before she could finish her sentence, Wes lunged forward and pushed Ricky hard in the small of his back. Caught off balance, coils thrashing, Ricky had time to swear in his own gruff voice before he tumbled into the portal. Carrie lunged forwards too late. Wes kicked at the coils, writhing half in, half out of the dimension, as they grappled for something to lock onto and tried to attach to the hot range. Katie blinked. She stared at the spot where Ricky had been, at her brother, his wild-eyed exultation strobing in front of her as she saw, blinked, forgot, saw, then forgot again. "'What the fuck?' "'You don't understand,' Wes muttered, pale and shaking, flashing in and out of her memory. "'I had to.' Katie moistened her lips, not understanding. "'What the fuck?' It was like a bad TV show. Her brother was a stranger to her, a cold, twisted stranger." A coil flew out and looped around Wes's ankle as Ricky fought to extricate himself from the thirteenth dimension. Katie stared stupidly at it, not knowing whether to grab it and pull or help her brother get it off him. Carrie shouldered her out of the way and lunged for the coil, forcing Katie into action. Katie made a grab for Wes's hand at the same time as Carrie tried to grab the coil, but as Katie's fingers brushed her brother's, Wes was yanked backwards. He and the rest of Ricky were consumed by the shimmering haze rising from the limestone slab, and both of them disappeared.
Carrie stared at Katie open-mouthed. "'I don't believe this.' Katie saw the pendlestone begin to stabilise the portal closing. She didn't have time to think it through. She jumped. 